the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Well, thank you very kindly and a pleasant good afternoon to you. Welcome, welcome to this Thursday, September 27th edition of Lifeline. If you're tuning in today and you're going to hear something a little bit different than the normal fare on the program, that's because we are broadcasting live today from the Well Christian Community Church in Livermore. And gee, if you happen to be in the neighborhood and along 580, we invite you to drop on by and join our live in-sanctuary audience. We're here again at 2333 Neeson Drive. Drive in Livermore, home of the Well Christian Community Church. And we want to begin by thanking our host and certainly host pastor here for the Well Christian Community Church, Pastor Napoleon Kaufman, for uh, his hospitality and generosity and welcoming us into this beautiful sanctuary. Thank you. Well, I tell you, we've got a great program lined up for you today and some very special guests. I'm going to introduce those guests in just a moment. But first, let me introduce our topic. Perhaps uh, like myself today, you were listening to some of the testimony and the commentary taking place on Capitol Hill earlier today. You know, in listening to it, at least to me, it's clear that in many ways we are a nation filled with differences and dichotomies. We have our political differences, our differences of opinion on matters of morality, both public and private, even theological and religious differences. And yet in the end, from strictly a biblical worldview, we are all sinners in need of a Savior. Those who know the Word and have experienced His grace understand that. Communicating the message of God's grace, that all have sinned and fall short of His glory, And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Communicating that message can be a challenging one in an age of pushback and resistance. A few generations ago, it was generally a question of demonstrating the truth that God so loved the world. Later, it was a challenge getting people to accept that God so loved. More often today, we begin with the premise that those we witness to around us do not even accept the notion that God... Maintaining your Christian composure in an increasingly hostile environment is one thing. Engaging the culture for Christ, perhaps an even bigger challenge. Showing love, keeping your cool, and effectively sharing your faith in difficult circumstances to difficult people. We all know them. Perhaps it's reaching your atheist neighbor who knows how to push your buttons. That sibling who practices Scientology. Your verbally aggressive gay co-worker. Well, the list can go on and on. Difficult people are exactly the people we need to intentionally move toward. But how do you genuinely show the love of Christ to those you differ with? Well, today our pastor's panel tackles just this very issue. We're pleased to have join us today, first again, our host pastor, senior pastor of the Wild Christian Community Church. He also hosts Times of Refreshing Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. right here on KFAX. Nice welcome to Pastor Napoleon Kaufman. 
Also joining our panel today, seated to my right, the teaching pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose and host of not necessarily a new program. In fact, he's been on the air for a couple of years on KFAX Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., but he just began a daily Monday through Friday broadcast at 7 p.m. after one of my favorite programs. Uh, please welcome, if you would, the senior pastor from Hillside Church in San Jose, Pastor Keith Crosby. Also with us today is the senior pastor of New Hope Christian Fellowship in Hayward, seated to my right. He hosts the New Hope broadcast Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. And also with his lovely wife, Vanessa, hosts Equally Yoked, heard Saturday afternoons at 12 noon on KFAX. Please welcome the senior pastor of New Hope Christian Church in Hayward, Pastor Timothy Russell. And last, but certainly in no ways least... He is the senior pastor of Faith Fellowship Foursquare Church in San Leandro. He has a daily, or sorry, a weekly television broadcast and a radio program on KFAX each Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. called I Speak Life. Please welcome the senior pastor of Faith Fellowship Foursquare Church, San Leandro, Pastor Gary Mortera. And again, welcome to all of our pastors today on our panel. And I'm going to begin first with Pastor Gary. I pick on him because I've known him for a long time, and I I love him, and I love his heart and his passion for the Word and for ministry. You know, Gary, when we talk about this issue of reaching difficult people, whatever that profile might look like, sometimes we as Christians tend to kind of see that person as a person lost in sin, and our perspective is, gee, aren't we lucky that God saved us, and look how righteous I am. And I think sometimes that can set up a barrier in sharing our faith because the person we're trying to witness to thinks that we're kind of coming from a high and mighty perspective as opposed to laying ourselves low and being passionate and seeing this person as someone for whom Christ died just as they did for us. And I am reminded of that passage in 1 Corinthians, and such were some of you. Yeah, we have to all remember where we came from. Where were we at when God saved us? I know I wasn't on a very good path, and uh, no one would have thought I would have been a Christian. But Jesus came to save sinners, Amen. and some are nicer than others, but um, we're, we're all lost, and um, God loves every single person. I mean, think of the next generation of believers. They're going to be high-level CEOs, as well as prostitutes, drunkards, gang members, uh, drug dealers. People, God's going to save people. He came for the lost. Amen. Let me turn to Pastor Timothy Russell with a question. I alluded, Pastor Russell, to some of the testimony taking place in Washington, D.C. We're seeing a tremendous amount of angst in our country. There's a lot of political drama, a lot of division along a multiplicity of lines. And oftentimes, I think sometimes folks get caught up in the moment. They get caught up in the emotion as they're trying to take what they may view to be a biblical position on a particular topic or issue And in doing so, perhaps unwittingly, drive away the very person that they're trying to communicate God's truth to. And and you're right. I think that one thing that we as believers, and I love how Watchman Nee says, I'm not just a believer, I'm an obeyer. I'm an obeyer of the word of God. If we are obeyers, then we understand that everything that we do has to come from a place of love. It has to come from the place of love, the love of Christ. Because think about it, Titus said it best. We ourselves were once foolish, 
disobedient, serving divers lust, hateful, hating one another. And, and, and I know you said something about being difficult. I was probably the most difficult person the Lord ever saved, brought out of darkness and turned around. And so that's ever before me. I know what Christ can do because I know what he did for me. So I don't want to drive no one away. I want them to experience what I experienced, the love of Jesus. Sometimes folks will get nervous about a sense of entering into controversy. They don't want to offend somebody. This is a neighbor that they see all the time, a co-worker. And so as a result, they will sort of push back and think, well, you know, the gospel can be an offense to those that are perishing, and I don't want to be offensive, and so I'm just going to kind of lay back and pray for them, but I won't share my faith. And Pastor Crosby, toward that end, I wonder if sometimes we use that as, a, as an excuse, as a scapegoat, to relieve ourselves of the responsibility to be Christ's representatives on earth, and that sharing our faith, while certainly we need to do it out of a spirit and attitude of, of, of love and a sense of generosity and wanting to share this great gift of salvation that we have partaken of, do we sometimes use the fear factor as an excuse to get out of sharing our faith or to sometimes avoid what we fear to be a confrontational situation that we just don't know how to handle? I think we do. You know, people are fearful creatures. You know, they're fallen, we're fallen, we're saved, but we're still struggling with sin. And a lot of times we look at the person on the street corner and say, well, if they say something to me, I'll say something to them. Or we'll say, I don't really don't want to talk to them because they're going to fight with me. We certainly don't want to be debaters or defensive. But I think when I look at Jesus Christ, he was available, he was accessible, and he was approachable. He, he made himself available to his Father's will. He made himself accessible to the people. And all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds approached him. Pharisees, prostitutes, tax collectors, lepers who are the real outcasts. And we have to purpose to be like Christ in that sense. And we served a suffering Savior and we might suffer too, but that's part of what he's called us to. You know, ironically, Christ, I think, most ideally is the representation for us, the example for us to understand how to speak the truth in love. Mm. Yeah. That even when he spoke forceful words yeah. or took forceful action like uh, chasing all the money changers mm. out of the temple, uh, you, you certainly could argue in that case that he was being very demonstrative, very forceful. And yet there was always this sense of, of love being demonstrated in everything that he did. And Pastor Kaufman, let me turn to you. Sometimes we, we struggle with that, that notion of speaking the truth in love. We're either good at speaking the truth, we're going to make our point, and we're going to reach them for the Lord, and we're going to get them to understand what the Word says on a particular topic, or we're just going to love them. We don't want to offend them, so we're just going to love them. How do we find that delicate balance between speaking truth and love together at the same time in the same fashion as Christ did. Well, you know, for me, I always, I always uh, have this in mind when I'm thinking about sharing my faith. I have to be willing to give this person what they need when they need it. And so for me, God knew I needed somebody to basically challenge me and kind of check me. Uh, not everybody's like that. But it's through your intimacy with the Spirit of God that you basically separate yourself and your feelings and your emotions and your thoughts from everything. And then you consider yourself a conduit to give that person what they need when they need it. And so for me, I don't have like a, a set way in which I share my faith. 
I try to be as sensitive as I can to the spirit of God to give that person what they need when they need it. And I think sometimes we we have this whole system in our mind that the spirit of God can't even really, you know, tell us what to do in that moment. Some people, quite frankly, need to be yelled at. Very true. Can I have an amen? Amen. <laughs> some, some people have been yelled at their whole life. They need somebody just to come up and hug them. Some people need you to, from an intellectual standpoint, get the, get the ball rolling with them because that's how, that's how they respond to certain things. Some people, you have to keep it just as simple as possible. So it's through our intimacy with the Spirit of God that we're able to access his mind in that moment to give that person what they need. Jesus dealt with the woman that was caught in adultery differently than he dealt with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, differently than how he dealt with Pontius Pilate. It's just a matter of, are we sensitive enough to listen to the Spirit of God? And do we have that kind of relationship with him that he can communicate his heart through us to that that person? So it really then speaks to one's relationship with the Lord in terms of the capacity and ability to share one's faith, because oftentimes, and certainly this I think was true 35, 40 years ago, the church oftentimes taught in a very formulaic fashion, well, you learn the four spiritual laws, (laughs) and you have the booklet, and you can do the little stick figure, here's the chair, here's where Christ sits, here's where you sit, all of this. And so people thought, well, if I just memorize this approach, I can use that with everybody. Exactly. And then when it didn't work with everybody, we thought, well, there's something wrong. So then we stopped sharing altogether. See, I can't, I can't use that with the kids that I'm with over at Bishop O'Dowd High School. I can't use that. And so there's the, the, the issue is, am I accessing the mind of God to give that person what they need when they need it? And it may look different for everyone. For me, I got saved because somebody came to me and said, hey, Napoleon, you don't even look like the type of guy to be out here cussing and acting crazy like the rest of these guys. Don't you know God can use your life? That's what he said to me. And I went to my, all, I went, I went home and all I heard was, don't you know God can use your life? Don't you know God? And then I went home and gave my life to Jesus and have never looked back. Amen. If he would have came up to me and probably said, you know what? You know, Jesus loves you and you're just the best guy, but you just got a few blind spots and, but you're okay, but you're not okay, but you're kind of okay. And Jesus loves you. It wouldn't have worked. <laughs> That's almost a t- the tap dance form of evangelism. Well, it might work for someone else. But God knew what I needed, and that person was there to give it to me. So the believer sharing their faith really needs to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. Amen. And it's going to vary from time to time, place to place, person to person. Pastor Gary, you've written a number of books. Several years ago, you wrote one called Let's Get the Gay Thing Straight. And oftentimes I wonder if if we fail to share our faith with certain difficult people, whatever that category might look like, because we say, well, you know, I'm not quite confident in how to express my faith to them, and I'm I'm fearful if I don't do it right that they're going to reject Christ, when in reality what maybe we're really saying is I'm afraid that if I don't do it right they're going to reject me and I can't deal with rejection. Yep, that personal rejection. You know, Peter said it this way, always... Be prepared to give an answer to everyone that asks you for the reason of the hope that lies within you. Mm-hmm. And so it didn't say give the answer. It says give an answer to whatever question they have. And so back to what I think Napoleon was saying is, is believers need to know the word of God and the spirit of God uh, to be wise in whatever context that 
relationship is going to take place in that conversation. And whatever question they ask, we are to be prepared with an answer, speaking the truth in love. But most of the time, Craig, these unbelievers that will engage you, they've never had anybody answer those questions for them. And so their, their belief system is built on pillars of uh, ungodly reasoning. And we come along with truth and knock those pillars down Amen. and build a brand new foundation. And like Napoleon said, he went home and thought about that. And so we need to give people something to go home and think about. That's right. And, you know, from time to time, I've heard it said people will say, well, I really don't want to be involved with all that Christianity business. Um, and you'll find two examples. People either say, well, I don't know anything about Jesus because they've never met a Christian, or they're not interested in knowing anything about Jesus because they have met a Christian. So a lot of it goes down to not only the capacity to be ready to give the answer for the hope that lies within, but also the spirit in which you communicate that message, that information. Yeah, and so we have to acknowledge that when they say, well, I went to a church and this pastor did that, or that Catholic priest did this, and you acknowledge that, because that's a fact, and we have to validate that fact. Yes, you're right, and that wasn't a good representation of Christ, but let me tell you about Christ, right? because it's right. about Christ, right. and we're all failing and falling short, and we all need grace, but let's talk about Jesus. He asked the greatest question, who do you say I am? And we have to get them back in that corner. Part, part of that, uh, let me turn to, to Pastor Russell. Part of that seems to me then is also indicative. If you're going to be ready to give the answer for the hope that lies within, there's got to be some hope that lies within. That's right. And that really takes us back, I think, to a growing problem in the church today, and that is biblical illiteracy. We don't understand what the word says about a variety of topics, so we are ill-equipped, or we just give up the answer, well, pastor said thus and just, and this, therefore it must be so. Now, I'm not suggesting necessarily that every time you share your faith, you have to be able to quote chapter and verse. But if you don't have any of the word in you, knowing how to give that answer... Or to respond to those questions that are brought up as you're sharing your faith is going to be a big challenge. And let me tell you, we start every sermon at our, ser- at our church by saying this. Thy word have I hid in my heart Amen. that I might not sin against you. It, it, the, everything that we do has to be based on the word of God. Uh, I challenge everyone that leaves our service to take what you've learned and go dig into the word of God, because the Bible tells us that you must study the word of God to show yourself approved unto God. I think we live in an age where everybody wants to be approved of men. Hmm. I want to get my validation from men. I want to get my position from men. I get my title from men. And I, I even I even challenge titles because, you know, the Bible said he gave gifts and the gifts were a pastor, an evangelist, a teacher, a prophet. And we walk around and we put the title Instead of a gift, it's a title, and the title demands that you serve me, whereas the gift says, I serve you. And I think that when we know the word of God, we're not comfortable doing anything, anything, hello somebody, anything that's contrary to the word of God. If it's not the word of God, there should be a check in our spirit. Thine word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against. Come on, amen. And then that check says, and you know what? I, I made many mistakes, but that check makes you turn around and go, I was wrong. You know what? I missed that. And let me tell you, the, wor- the world is waiting 
for us to be honest when we make mistakes. Amen. The world is waiting for us. I, listen, just because we're men and women of God doesn't mean that we have to act like we're perfect. We represent the one who never sinned. We represent the one who never made a mistake, but I'm an ambassador of his. He's not an ambassador of mine. So therefore we have to stand in that place because they need to know that just like you, I had to study the word and I continue to do the same. Now, there are some folks in the audience thinking, okay, I get what you're saying. I need to become a theologian here. No. I need to study everything. I need to memorize Genesis to Revelation. So whether it's the Scientologist that approaches me with a question or an atheist that approaches me with a question or I get into an argument over the issue of gay marriage with a coworker, I need to be ready to give an answer and therefore I need to give a theologically sound answer mm-hmm. and therefore I'm going to study and read and I'm going to church every Sunday and I'm going to sit under the teaching of Pastor Keith Crosby mm-hmm. and in 40 years after I I've absorbed all this, I'll be ready to go out and share my faith. Well, let me say this to you, and I tell everybody, we study the word not to debate with one another. Come on. We, we're not studying the word so I can tell you how much I know and how much you don't know. We study the word so that we can be approved unto God, and that's the key there. And I think that we have some great theologians. We have some people. My, my wife, she loves to read. I'm like, you go ahead. Do your thing. You just keep on reading. I'm not like her. I am who God created me to be. And I celebrate who God created her to be. And I think that what we have to do is understand that. And, and, and pastor Brian Goodell taught at our church last night. And he said this, stop trying to be what you're not. I'm not trying to be what I'm not in because I'm going to fail every time. And I think Napoleon said it best. If we're just led by the spirit, The spirit of God is the key in this. He's going to lead and guide us in all truth. And he works in concert with the word of God in our lives so that we can be a light shining in a dark world. So, Pastor Crosby, is it okay then to acknowledge that we too are sinners in need of a savior and that it necessarily doesn't make it incumbent then to have all of the answers? Think of the woman at the well. She met the Messiah. She takes off and heads heads for town. She could only teach what she knew. She could only explain what she knew. They knew what she was. She knew what she was. And she had enough truth to get the job done. It is the work of the Spirit. We are sowers, not saviors. Come on now. That's good. Okay, good. Keep it up. Keep going. going. So so really, you know, we just teach what we know. We have a missionary who's leading Muslim imams to Christ in West Africa. And these guys come to Christ, and he, just, and he teaches them what he can, and then he makes them or encourages them to go teach what little they know. Yeah. That's right. But, you know, here it is. We're not God. God is God. The Holy Spirit opens the eyes, opens the heart. You know, sometimes, you know, you've preached a sermon, and you thought, this is the worst sermon I ever preached. And somebody comes up to you crying and saying, this is a great sermon. And you're going, well, I don't know where you were. <laughs> but what happened is the spirit took what right. you said right. and drove right. it home in their heart. And you have no idea what they heard. So here's the fundamental disconnect that oftentimes we think that we are responsible beginning to end. We have to share our faith. Uh-huh. Lead them to the Lord, lead them through the sinner's prayer, take them to church on Sunday, begin to disciple them as if somehow we are the entire answer to the process here. But I think what Pastor Crosby is suggesting, and jump in here, Gary, that we are part of the process. To some it is given to plant, to others to water, to, and, or to sow, to water, to bring forth the harvest. That if we're being obedient and trusting on the Holy Spirit, 
It isn't necessarily that we have to have every single answer for every theological challenge or debate or question that comes up. But if we can speak some truth, do our part, be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is calling us to do, we may not be the person necessarily who's going to, in that moment, pray the sinner's prayer with them. That might be somebody else's responsibility later on down the road. I'm just a seed planter here in one area. So very rarely does someone get saved the first time you share the gospel. So if we can get our people to think of being seed planters, just drop seed. Like you said, tell them what you do know or give your testimony what Jesus did for you. Example, I have a lady in our church. She was born in Vietnam, raised Buddhist, married an American guy, Christian, sat in the front row just to honor her husband for five years. And I teach the Bible online upon line. And she sat there for five years. And then all of a sudden, she got convicted. She understood. She bowed her knee. And now she's one of the most on-fire Christians in our church and has been for the last five years. But if, if I would have taken my self-worth off of whether or not she got saved the first time I yeah. preached the gospel, I'm done. I'm done, right? Yeah. It took five years of seed planting. Yeah. So just share what you do know. And yes, yeah, study some more. Have an answer. You know, you're a Christian. You're representing Christ. So learn the Bible a little better, but plant some seeds at least. Pastor Kaufman, do we then perhaps sometimes even forget our own experience in that example? In other words, we think that we want to be empowered to preach the sermon or to share our faith and lead that person to Christ in the very moment. And yet I bet if I ask the question of every person in this audience tonight of their own experience in coming to Christ they would talk more about a process than an event. Mm -hmm. That they might recall the precise moment in which they bowed head before the Lord, but if they think back upon it, that God was doing things, sending agents in in His stead, in His representation, all along the way to lead us to that point, we would finally then surrender to the Holy Spirit. Yeah, without question. I mean, you know, one plants, one waters, then God gives the increase. Amen. That's right. And so along this this path, one is going to be planting, one is going to be watering, somebody else is going to come along and water. Now, the thing that that has always been interesting to me, because growing up, I had seen people go to church, uh, had went to church uh, periodically, had experienced church, but... Um, when I actually saw somebody living what they were preaching, that's when it really had a profound effect on me. When I saw somebody actually living out the realities, because you can only give what you have. The talk has got to match the wall. And, and I want to say this, too, because you can know the Bible and not know Jesus. Amen. That's true. Amen. That's true. Mm-hmm. And so when you meet a person that knows that that knows the Lord Jesus and they know their Bible and you see them walking out and living out the reality of what you see on the on the pages it leaves us it it marks your conscience and it causes you to so I would watch the guys on my team when I got saved that I knew that person really is like really walking with God he's not just talking like the rest of these guys something's different about that person I think that difference becomes attractive to us because for me, for me, I saw hope in that person that when I wanted to change, that that person has a relationship with God and I can have that relationship. So it impacted my conscience. And I, I thought about him a lot because I said, how does he keep doing this? How is he living like this? 
How come he's not out here cussing like the rest of these guys? How come he's not out here messing around with the girls? What's different about him? And then he prays. I hear him praying, seeking God. He's always reading his Bible. There's something different about him. How come he's not out here going to the parties with the rest of the guys? And then I started asking him questions. And then for me, it became a place where I found hope in that. Well, if Jesus can change his life, then Jesus can change my life. And I think from a church standpoint, we don't want to just become dead letter preachers. We want the reality of Christ's nature and his life to be formed in us so that when we come into contact with people, they see something different, not just a talking head. They see a lifestyle that represents the kingdom of God. So there needs to be a sense of genuineness. And and the authenticity, the realness of Christianity. Christianity is not just a a system of thought. Mm -hmm. It is a lifestyle that is lived. Amen. And people need to see that lifestyle. Now, there, there are times when, when we fall down, things happen. We understand that. But people need to know that I'm staying on the potter's wheel and I am being perfected. I'm not perfect yet, but I am being perfected. And that is my quest in the sight of God. I want to be, become more like him. And that goes back, Pastor Russell, to what you were saying earlier, that we don't have to be walking, talking concordances. We don't have to be walking, talking libraries of biblical information and data. Live out our faith. Be genuine, as Pastor Kaufman is saying. And, and, and I imagine that there's probably a direct correlation between the effectiveness of our testimony and the kind of life that we lead before others. Because they're going to hear what you say, but they're going to check out what you do. That's right. Amen. Man, and, and, and you know, uh, to I don't have to be perfect. I just want to be transparent, and I want to talk about being perfected by the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think the the, the body of Christ is hungry for leaders and those that are shepherding them to be transparent in that way. I think we make a mistake when we present something that's not true. And and honestly, the the thing that we present most times that are not truth is that I've arrived. I haven't arrived. I'm on the, the wheel, the potter's wheel, and I'm being perfected. Why don't you get on your wheel too and let's get perfected together? And I believe that that's what they're looking for. They're looking for us to be the, 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 the person that's standing before them, hearing God's voice and speaking to them what God is saying. But at the same time, I, one of the greatest altars that we ever had at our church was, I said, why don't you meet me at the altar? I didn't say come to the altar. I said, why don't you meet me? And I stood at the altar, turned around, lifted my hands, and the next thing I know, the whole church was at the altar. Because, because it's all about letting them know that just what God is doing in my life, he can do in your life as well. Do people sometimes, and I'll pose this question to any of our panelists, sometimes get overwhelmed in, in the sense that there are so many issues, particularly in society today, that are confronting the church and you just about turn around to any TV news program, listen to what was on Capitol Hill today. I sat listening to the testimony and I thought, I can't believe that this conversation is being broadcast mm-hmm. from yeah. a Senate 
conference room that yeah. this discussion is even taking place, but yeah. it's indicative of, of where our society is today. And yeah. I wonder if sometimes believers just get a sense of being overwhelmed that between trying to be able to give an answer to the atheist friend or the gay couple next door or the, you know whatever the political persuasion happens to be, strong Democrat, strong Republican, whatever, that we just feel as if there's so much out there. I'm so overwhelmed by this. I just want to keep my faith to myself. I'm going to go to church on Sunday. I'm going to tithe. I'm going to pray and leave the responsibility of sharing faith up to the professionals like the four of you. But, you know, in Acts 1.8, it says you're going to be my witnesses, Judea, (coughs) Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the whole wide world. What we do is we make it too complicated. We just need to stick with our core business, and that's preaching with our lips in our lives and not worrying about all the political stuff. We, you know, we're not here to debate anybody and we're not here to play defense, you know, mm-hmm. to use a football analogy. I'm not a football player, but you don't score points without offense. And if you're if you're just reacting to all the issues, you aren't really able to preach or to teach or to model. You just eat that elephant one forkful at a time. You don't have to answer all the political issues. You don't have to answer all the social issues. You just have to be able to tell people about your relationship with Jesus Christ and what humongous change he's made in your life and is making in your life. And how powerful is that? That's it. That's scary. I I want to say to the audience that's listening out there, because as they listen to us talk about, you know, we've got to live right and preach with our lips and our lives. uh, There's a good majority of people that have blown it in front of their friends and coworkers and and they feel they have no testimony right. but they can turn that around today yep. yeah start living right and then maybe even apologize that mm-hmm. i was a bad representation of who jesus christ is Amen. and and i'm going to work on that and then you know if you don't have the answers right now i'm sure you love your church and your pastor uh, i mean if you don't love your church and your pastor what are you doing there mm-hmm. but if you do love your church and your pastor then at least invite people to church they won't come a second time until they come a first time. Mm-hmm. 75% of people, statistically speaking, 75% of people will come to church at least once when they're invited. Mm-hmm. And so if we can just get them in the door, offer to take them to breakfast, whatever it is, because in the church, they will hear the gospel being preached. And that can open up an argument or a discussion for later. You know, just piggybacking on that, I heard a pastor say one time, if you're not comfortable presenting the gospel, subcontract it to me. Bring them to church, and I'll deliver the goods. Right. You know, that's it. You don't have to, you don't have to have the answer. You just have to know where to go to get the answer. Yeah. Well, and that's key, too. And speak to this, Pastor Coffin, if you would, because, and, and Pastor Russell, you touched on this earlier as well, that notion that we don't have to know everything, but we should be, in an ongoing basis, studying to show ourselves approved. And if we're sharing with a friend and a question comes up that we don't know how to answer, isn't it okay to say, I don't know, but I'll find out? Amen. I do it all the time. <laughs> you know, I, you know, there's, I think, I think we, we complicate it. You know, there's things that I'm still growing. I'm still learning. If I don't have the answer, um, I'll say, I don't have the answer, but let me research that. I'll get back to you. And I think it's important that we're willing to do that with people that are looking for specific answers. And then at the, on the flip side, also, uh, be discerning enough to understand when people are trying to bait you into something yeah, because people play that game with you too. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're not really right. looking for the answer. They just want to stir up some controversy and fight with you and argue with you or whatever. So we have to be discerning when it comes to that. But I think um, the, the understanding who Jesus is, 
understanding the Bible is a lifelong quest. It's not something like Pastor uh, was just saying. We, nobody has arrived yet. We're all still seeking him. And I think it's important that we're willing to stop and not make up an answer to save face and just say, hey, I don't, I don't know about that yet, but let me get back to you on that. I'll do some research on it, and I'll give you the answer. I want to pause on that point. We're going to take a brief time out here. We'll take a three-minute time out and get you an update on traffic. When we come back and continue our panel discussion, I want to dive into some of the issues, in particular today, and then we've referred to this earlier in the broadcast. Uh, there are topics going on around the water cooler and the evening news, in conversations at work and over the dinner table that have very strong moral and political currents to them, and and sometimes it's incumbent upon the believer to take a stand, Mm -hmm. and yet at the same token, not be pulled into the vortex Mm -hmm. where, as Pastor Kaufman says, we're being baited, and as a result, we either, in an effort to try and defend the gospel, you see my air quotes here, defend the gospel, we end up taking such a strong stand that we offend the very people that we're trying to minister to, and as a result, end up coming up on the short side of effectively communicating not just our faith, but the incredible degree of love that God showed toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's true for everyone here. That's true for everyone that has ever been on the planet. So how do you effectively communicate that? in the middle of the political and moral morass and, the, again, this, this torrential current that we're seeing take place in American society. We're going to address that topic when we come back. Let's take a brief time out, though. We'll do three minutes. We'll get you an update on traffic. We'll come back with more. Our live broadcast today taking place here at the Wild Christian Community Church, 2333 Neeson Drive in Livermore. If you're heading up the 580, we invite you to drop on by and join our in-sanctuary audience. We'll get back to more of our panel, more of our discussion on this special Special Thursday edition of Lifeline from KFAX. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, thank you, sir. Welcome back to the program. 546 on the clock. It's the Thursday edition of Lifeline. We are coming to you live today from the Well Christian Community Church in Livermore, located at 2333 Neeson Drive. And, of course, we're very appreciative to our host pastor here. He's been very gracious in allowing us to come and do our live broadcast here. Pastor Napoleon Kaufman, senior pastor here at the Well. We invite you, too, to check out his broadcast, Times of Refreshing, every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. right here on KFAX. Also joining our panel today, the teaching pastor from Hillside Church in San Jose, host of Grace to Live. Heard Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. and a Sunday broadcast at 10 a.m. We also have with us Pastor Keith Crosby. Joining us too, Senior Pastor of New Hope Christian Fellowship in Hayward, host of New Hope Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. He also co-hosts along with his wife Vanessa, equally yoked, heard every Saturday at 12 noon on KFAX. Our thanks to Pastor Timothy Russell. And of course, also joining us today, the host of I Speak Life, heard Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. here on KFAX. The Senior Pastor of Faith Fellowship Foursquare Church in San 
and Leandro, Pastor Gary Mortera. All right, those are our panelists, and we continue our look today at this issue of the Christian worldview and what it means to share our faith in times like these. And my goodness, as we've alluded to in our broadcast today, you can't pick up a newspaper, watch a TV program, launch your internet browser, or barely have a conversation with somebody even casually at work without some issue coming to the forefront. It might be dealing with uh, political turmoil. We've certainly seen plenty of that in recent weeks. It might be dealing with a co-worker that lives an alternative lifestyle and you're not quite sure how to share your faith or you're intimidated in doing so because they can come across in a very aggressive fashion so much so that they they kind of make you kind of pull back and you're you're fearful of saying anything you just don't want to start a big fight or what about the challenge of sharing your faith with a neighbor or a friend who is a very vocal atheist or maybe is involved in a false religion and suddenly you feel terribly inadequate because your neighbor is quoting passages of scripture out of context and you don't really feel like you have a, um, an adequate comeback. How do you deal with these sort of difficult, contentious people in sharing your faith? And I, I want to open it up here uh, for our panel to deal with maybe the big topic of the day, and that is this issue of opposing political viewpoints. And it seems as if a lot of people are lining up. If you don't believe a certain way or vote a certain way or belong to a certain political party, there must be something wrong with you morally or spiritually. And no matter who you talk to, if you talk to the good dyed-in-the-wool Democrat, they have good reasons why you want to be a Democrat. If you talk to the Republican, they seem to give good arguments as well. And suddenly we get caught up in all of the morass of the political and the ability to then effectively communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ truthfully and in love seems to kind of get lost in the middle of the debate. So how do we cut through all of that? in an effective fashion. And let me just toss the question out for any of our panelists. I mean, everybody seems to be talking about what's going on in Sacramento or Washington, D.C. these days. How do we kind of cut through that to really get to the heart of what the gospel is about? Let me share, if I can, Craig. That is um, exactly what Satan wants us to do, Mm -hmm. is get us in a conversation argument about peripheral things like politics and the gay agenda and abortion and whatever. And we can talk about that. But what did Jesus do every time they asked him a question? By what authority did you do this? Well, let me ask you this question. John's baptism, right? So he changed the, the question around to let's talk about God. Let's talk about what's real here. So you can be mad at Trump or you could have been mad at Obama, but the Bible says to pray for our presidents. So let's Okay, let's agree to disagree about our political views, but let's talk about Christ. Where are you out in your life with Christ? Do you even know what the gospel of Jesus is all about? Most people have not heard a clear presentation of the gospel. And so as slow, if you take your time, answer their questions, they got to keep backing up and backing up until eventually they have to answer who is Christ. Mm-hmm. And so wisdom will dictate that. Going back again what the pastor said earlier, the Spirit of God will give you the wisdom mm-hmm. to deal with those kind of questions. But don't get caught in those kind of arguments because you're not, you're not going to settle a political debate. Mm-hmm. We need to get back to Christ. That's what's important. We need to almost keep some of our political opinions in check then, mm-hmm. don't we? Yep. Because as much as we can say, well, this persuasion has this idea and this plan, and they seem to be more moral than the other one on abortion or right-to-life issues, whatever it might be, and, and suddenly now we're pulling away from the real answer that what America lacks today is not 
a strong political party or the right leadership in Washington, D.C., what America lacks today, first, foremost, and singularly, is a relationship with Jesus Christ. We may see these things play out morally, politically, but at the end, we're really talking about issues that are spiritual in nature. They require spiritual answers then, aren't they? We, it's like this. Uh, somebody once said that man is created in God's image, and in man is a void in the shape of God, and only God can fill it. When we try to fill it with politics or philosophy or debate, we're putting diesel in a gasoline engine, and we're not going to run right. And so rather than fight about those peripheral issues... I think we need to find a common ground with the person so that we can connect with them, not compromise our beliefs, but just say, well, what's your really concern? What's your real concern underneath that? I mean, I know what you're saying, and, and I, I can see where you, you, know, you have some good points, but I think the larger issue is who is able to really solve these problems? God. Man can't solve these problems. Man doesn't know everything exhaustively. And so you sort of brush those aside. Like Jesus said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar, unto God the things that are God. And we're talking about a God issue when we're talking about human beings. Do we need to take personal inventory if, if our friends and our neighbors and our family members know more about where we stand politically than where we are in our relationship with God? If, they can, if, if, if the next door neighbor can say, oh, yeah, the guy next door is a Republican, but can't answer the question, do you know what his religious belief is or what his faith or, or faith position is? If they can't give an answer, they don't know whether you're a Presbyterian or a Protestant or a Catholic or an atheist or whatever. Is there a problem there? I mean, they should be able, they can look at me and tell I'm a guy, yeah. but they should yeah. be able to see me live and tell I'm a Christian. Yeah. And like you say, if they, can, if they don't know that, then I'm failing as an ambassador of Jesus Christ to to fulfill the Great Commission, to make disciples, to make people who've heard of Jesus, who've understood Jesus, and to lead them to Christ. But if I'm invisible to them as a Christian, but visible to them as a Republican or a Democrat or a Libertarian, then I've missed the boat. You know, to piggyback on what he said, I, I really praise God that God gave me a mama that was, she was about four foot 11, and she she said, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a small piece of leather, but I'm well put together. That was her slogan. <laughs> And, and she beat the pride out of me. Mm. And then, he, then God just, he just, I can't wait to see her again. But then he says, I'm not done with you yet, Tim. I'm going to give you a wife just like her. <laughs> and so, and, and, and so I, my mom used to always say this, Timmy, your opinion is not truth. And that, I mean, she nailed that in me. Your opinion is not true. Now, when I have a truth that I believe is a truth, then I should have an argument that allows people to adopt that as truth. But I can't go into any situation and go, well, I know it all. And because if I approach it as my opinion is not truth, then I'm open for information because I know in part. I only know in part. I think that what we need to understand is we know in part, mm -hmm. but... Man, just being in the prayer room with Napoleon, Gary, and, and Keith, and, and, and you, I learned a lot just in that few minutes. If we can learn to get along and hang out more and stop saying my church, your church, my denomination, your denomination, my political party, your political party, and just say, no, we are brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's get together. And, you know, I, I think to your point, I think it was Josh McDowell many years ago who said, if you were put on trial today, for being a Christian, 
Could they bring forward, could the prosecution bring forward enough witnesses to find enough evidence to convict you? And that's, I think, an important issue of, of self-observation that we all need to engage in. And, and that leads me, I want to pivot to uh, another aspect of this. And that is, and I know some of you may be thinking this, but pastors, but Craig, what do you do when that person, that difficult, contentious person that you're trying to witness to is so in your face you know, the next door neighbor who, you know, had a gay marriage and they've got signs in the front of the house and they're constantly in, flaunting this in your face. And there's a level at which you say, you know, I feel so offended by why I'm, what I'm constantly being bombarded with that I, I feel as if somehow I've got to take a position. Somehow I've got to take a stand for the sake of the gospel. How do you do that? So uh, a difficult person, um, <laughs> you, you still got to be nice. Mm-hmm. You got to be a Christian because, you know, sometimes we take off the cr- clothes of Christ and we get back in our flesh and now we're no good. Yeah. But still being nice to them, uh, a gift opens way for the giver. So you can try to shine love from the opposite spirit upon them. Mm-hmm. Um, you, if you really can't answer those people, then turn them over to us. Say, say, listen, I don't have answers for you, but would you be willing to talk to my pastor and, and see if he's open or she's open to that? Um, but it's difficult. Some people, it's like casting pearl before swine. Yes, indeed. They're not going to believe. They're stone hard and they won't. But there's also some people that perhaps because there's, there's a degree to which we're, we're offended by lifestyle or p- opinions that they, that they vocalize, that we wish not to engage them. And so as a result, we cut them off. And now perhaps we have cut off the channel that God intended to use through us to reach them. Napoleon Kaufman, does that mean that, that I still have to deal with the difficult people, even the folks that I don't like? Yes and no. Come on now. <laughs> you got their ears now, Napoleon. Some question. days yes, some <laughs> days no. I mean, what, what, I, what I mean by this is that, you know, and I think Pastor Gary hit it on, on the head. I mean... You know, our job isn't to keep casting our pearls before swine. If a person, I have plenty of friends in my life that I love dearly. I have family members that uh, um, are, are gay. I have people in my life that are living their lifestyle, and I love them dearly. Um, and I've said my peace to them. I've preached to them. I've ministered to them. I've loved on them. And they don't want to be saved. They don't want to hear the gospel. They like the darkness better they, than they, light. They, some people love darkness rather than light. And that's fine. But it doesn't mean that I, that I don't still love you. It doesn't mean that we can't go to lunch. It doesn't mean that. And, but it does mean that around certain topics, I'm not going to be up here fighting with you. Let's not even talk about that. But let's go have a hamburger. Let's go have a, a sandwich. Let's go. I just want to hang out with you, see how you're doing. And when you start wanting to talk about, you know whatever, then I'm going to, I'm going to refrain from it. So part of this is availability. Yeah. I mean, I just think that, I think that sometimes we overthink it. I mean, if I love somebody, I'm going to spend time with them. I'm going to get to know them. I'm going to do all those things. But on the flip side, I'm not going to engage in arguments and debate and things of that nature when I, when it's clear that you don't want to be saved. But I can still hang out with you. I love mm-hmm. you. But I'm not going to let you influence me. It just has to be clear that I'm going to be the influencer. 
Um, I'm not going to let you influence me, but I'm going to I'm going to enjoy you. And I think that over time that has a way of, of knocking down barriers. And then unfortunately, some people just aren't going to hear a message from you. Maybe it's somebody else that they're going to hear from. That's true. And you've done your job to water or plant. But it doesn't mean that, you know what, I can never see, you know, my uncle anymore. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's yeah. it. I, I never want to see this person anymore, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's important. I think that, and like I said, it's, it's both. Yeah. Can, yeah. I, can, I, can I say something on what he just said? Um, the Lord gave me a revelation on someone the, uh, a while ago. I preached this at the church, and, and it was a truth. It was, I was like, oh, man, I can't wait to see them. I'm going to give them this truth, and they're going to be healed and delivered. And the Lord spoke to me and said, but you can't give it to them. And I questioned, I said, why not? Because you offended them. And they'll never hear. I said, well, God, what do I do with this truth that you gave me because they won't hear me? He said, I gave it to you to pray. Hmm. Pray that when I send the one to give them the truth, they'll be ready to hear it. Hmm. So I I had to understand that was hard as a pastor. I was like. Man, God, you mean you can give me something, but it's not my place to go and to no, because we have to be mindful that our relationship and our lifestyle, and I haven't always been great at this, what we do can affect our message today and forever. And we may go from the influencer that Napoleon talked about to just a prayer warrior for it because I can no longer come to you and say this because they're going to always say, well, what about you, your life and this and that. So I have to transition now into the prayer warrior and then maybe go, can you meet my friend Napoleon? Can you meet my friend Gary? Because they may be able to tell them the truth that I know while I'm praying that they receive it. So are you saying as a pastor, you've offended people? Man. I'm being transparent. <laughs> but you know what? To, to, to your point, and that dovetails. Hey, people ask me how many you run, and I say I run away thousands. <laughs> I thought you just ran for thousands. You run away thousands. <laughs> I run away thousands. But this, your point, I think, dovetails into what something Pastor Gary said earlier. It, it, it's easy for us, particularly as young believers, to, in our, our zeal, with sometimes without knowledge and exuberance, to offend somebody when maybe our intentions, our heart is pure, but we don't have the proper head knowledge or we're not following the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I remember a young man that I led to Christ at a full gospel businessman's breakfast probably 30 years ago. And I was a young, fired-up Christian, and it was all about walking in holiness with the Lord, and you don't go to movies, and you don't drink beer, and all of this. And this young man happened to be a cigarette smoker. And I immediately launched into, well, you know, if you're going to follow Christ, you got to give up smoking cigarettes. And uh, he was wise enough to come back with a line like, it's not what enters the man that defiles him, <laughs> which quickly set me in my place. But I, I, I offended him. And it took several years for me to come full circle to realize that in my effort of trying to help him live a holier life, that I was doing it in a very offensive, accusatory fashion, which then shut down his capacity to hear any truth that God would give me to speak to him because I had offended him. And I finally had to come to the point of acknowledgement of that fact and go to him and and verbally repent and say, you know, several years ago, I remember I really railed on you on this topic. And ironically, by that time, he had voluntarily given up smoking. 
but it, it became a stumbling block in our relationship and my ability to share and help nurture him and disciple him. And I wonder if maybe, as Gary said, sometimes we as Christians just need to admit, you know what, in the past in our zeal and exuberance to try to reach Uncle Larry or, you know, Cousin Louise, we did some things that were a little heavy-handed, we've offended, and now we need to go back and humbly eat humble pie, ask for forgiveness, and start that relationship afresh and anew. Mm. You know, you we're talking about how do we reach a tough person, right? So think about this in the, in the reverse, that when Satan tempted Jesus in the desert, after the third temptation, Luke says that he left him for a more opportune time. Mm-hmm. So let's reverse that. You're trying to share the gospel with somebody they're not hearing. You'll need to wait for a more opportune time when they're in a different place, maybe a week from now, a month from now, or even a year from now. Um, the, the best time to lead someone to Christ or to share Christ with them is when they're going through a trial, a mm-hmm. difficult time. There's a sickness in the family, a child's run away or whatever. The marriage isn't working. When they're in that crisis, sometimes, and if not all the time, God is the one orchestrating that mm-hmm. because he loves them. He wants the gospel to be shared with them. And so now this life circumstances happen. Here's an open door. But you may have to wait for the opportune time. So we can sometimes focus on the, the obedience factor. We want to be obedient in sharing our faith. But we need to sometimes recognize that it's the availability factor that can be the most effective. To make sure that we are available to them so that when that crisis happens, they're not so far distance from us that we don't have an opportunity to speak truth or to share hope in that crisis, in that moment of need. Think about this. The people that put Jesus on the cross, they're the first ones to get saved in Acts 2. It's a more opportune time. They couldn't hear it, but he had dropped enough seeds. Paul, Paul, why do you kick against the goads? Mm. The goads of all that conviction of the seed dropping that Paul had been pushing away. But at the right opportune time, Paul said, I give. Mm. Yeah. And you know, even if we blow it, and we do blow it, you have to remember, when you look at the Bible, it's not like any other religious book. These aren't supermen and superwomen. This is Abraham who lied about Sarah. This is Jacob who was a manipulator. And God used these common, fallible, messed up people to do uncommon things. And you, you have these opportunities. We talked about that salvation is often a process, not an event. And so you may have this hothead and he's just burning you up and you have to break with him. But conversations often take place over a lifetime and they have a beginning, middle and an end. And you just have to take the long view. And God in that process, we always think, oh, Lord, use us, use us, use us. But God in that process may also be using that person Mm -hmm. to mellow us and to mature us and to bring us into a position we are more humble before the Lord and more servant-like in our attitudes. Well, it's just like you said, you know, the, the, the cigarette smoker, when we were young Christians, it was turn and burn. You know, you're all going to hell and I've got the truth. And then we get some life under our belts and God humbles us through various means and then we become useful. You know, in growing up, man, I was going to hell every day. My mom, you didn't empty the garbage, you're going to hell. Um, you know, <laughs> you didn't do the dishes, you're going to hell. So it, 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 <laughs> everything was you're going to hell. And, it, and as I grew up, I realized that people that grew up in the church and when I grew up, that's the message they got. And they served God through fear. And 
I don't think God wants to be served through fear. I'm afraid of God. I think he wants to be served through reverence and honor and through I love him. Well, what what is the best way that we can show the love of God? By opening ourselves up and saying, look what he did for me. He saved a wretch like me. But it's the challenge, I think, sometimes, Pastor Russell, of striking that delicate balance. Because sometimes within the church, we find both extremes. We do. We find some that are are so on the message of grace and compassion and forgiveness that they leave out righteousness and judgment and and God's holiness. And you know, right. the irony is, the message of the cross really is of no effect if there's not punishment. If there's not something from which you are being saved or being redeemed from, if there's not a punishment that he's taking on on our behalf, right. then then the power of the gospel is to no effect. And so it's that finding that delicate yeah. balance. And sometimes we as Christians, particularly young ones, as, as Pastor Crosby said, we're just so full of vim and vinegar and, and enthusiasm for the gospel, it's easier sometimes to take the Billy Sunday, you're going to hell on a handbasket approach, and forget that we also have to balance that message with compassion and with grace. And sometimes believers are either one extreme or the other, instead of slicing it down the middle, where it really allows us to see both sides of that powerful message of the gospel. You know, Craig, you just reminded me, we often like to recite John 1.14, the word became flesh. Mm-hmm. But at the end of John 1.14, it talks about Jesus being full of grace and truth. And what you're really saying is, we have to be like Jesus. All grace without truth isn't grace at all. You're gospel inoculating somebody so they can go to hell. And all truth without grace is actually something less than the truth, and it drives them away from the Savior. I know what I'm preaching Sunday. Thank you. Okay. I'll send you the bill later. (laughs) Hey, that'll be a good point for us to take a brief time out on. We're going to take a four-minute commercial break here. We're going to get you an update on traffic. When we come back, we're also going to open up our phone lines and invite our studio audience to join us. So if you've got some questions and you want to line up behind the microphone, in a couple of minutes, we're going to get to your questions. For those of you listening at home or in your car, toll-free at 888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. That's 888-367-5329. This brief Time out. Back with more here on the Thursday edition live pastors panel from the Well Christian Community Church in Livermore as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to the program. We continue our live broadcast here from the Well Christian Community Church in Livermore. And I'll mention, by the way, if you are new to this part of the East Bay and are looking for a church home, we invite you to come on by and uh, check out the church here and, of course, the pulpit ministry of Pastor Napoleon Kaufman. You can also sample his preaching by checking out his radio broadcast, Times of Refreshing, Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. right here on KFAX. And again, our appreciation to Pastor Kaufman for his hospitality. We also have on our panel today the teaching pastor from Hillside Church in San Jose, speaker on Grace to Live, heard Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Kind of great way to get the pump prime for Sunday morning church. Pastor Keith Crosby. Also joining us is the senior pastor from Faith Fellowship Foursquare Church in San Leandro, speaker on I Speak Life, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m., Pastor Gary Mortera, and from New Hope Christian Fellowship in Hayward, the speaker on New Hope, Sundays at 10.30 a.m., and he co-hosts 
equally yoked, heard Saturdays at 12 noon with his wife, Vanessa. Pastor Timothy Russell is with us. All right, we're going to uh, get to your calls in just a moment. Toll free, 888-367-5329. That's 888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. Also, for our audience here in the sanctuary, if you want to line up behind the microphone with a a comment or a question for our panel, we invite you to get in line. Um, As we continue our discussion, I want to turn back to uh, Pastor Gary Mortera. Pastor, we were talking here off the air a moment ago, and you had some thoughts in relationship to the challenge that a lot of us face in wanting to share our faith with difficult people, sometimes difficult people that we can avoid, like the next door neighbor we just don't talk to. Others, though, are a little bit closer in. It might be a co-worker or a member of the family that's difficult, and yet we know that we have to engage with them because we're going to see them at Christmas parties and family gatherings or at work. How do we deal with those kinds of people? Well, let's bring it home even a little closer than that. How about the parents out there that are trying to get their kids to come back to Christ in the home? Um, how do you share the gospel with them? It almost feels like they're lost forever, and they're not. But that feeling that I can't get through to them, why aren't they listening? They don't want to go to church anymore. And so I just want to encourage the parents that you don't give up. You, you keep trying to live the life. Pray. Tim, uh, it sounds like you had a Christian mom. I know I did, and I wasn't serving the Lord, but she prayed every single day for my salvation. And the Lord will put people in their lives. So it's sometimes just as difficult right there in your house as it is anywhere else. But Jesus said that a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown. Because, yeah, you might talk all that Christian stuff on Sunday, but I saw you last week getting mad at mom and saying some mean things, right? And so we kind of lose a little bit of that. Um, you know, but I was thinking about even Napoleon, you're, you're a football coach at um, Bishop, O'Dowd. Bishop O'Dowd. And I'm sure you're doing it because you love young people and you love football. But I got to believe that in your heart, and you've not told me this, but one of your motives is, how can I get those kids saved? But you didn't go in there thinking that every one of those kids is going to get saved the first week of football practice. You knew that over time you were going to be answering their question, living that life. And so we don't always get the opportunity to just bring them instantly. So I want the listening audience to you know, get let off the hook a little bit. We do want you to share. We do want you to have an answer for everybody. But don't feel like you have to lead every person to Christ because sometimes it takes time. There was another young lady when I first got saved. I was sharing the gospel with her every day, every week, every month. And I mean, every kind of scripture I could find. One day she calls me on the phone. She said, I gave my life to Christ. I said, you did? Well, who led you? She said, I was just watching this guy on TV and I gave my heart to the Lord. I said, that isn't even fair, Lord. (laughs) So, yeah, we're seed planters, but not everybody. And I know you want to get those kids saved now. Well, yeah, I mean, I I think uh, one of the stories that I share here at our church, I've shared quite a bit, is that, you know, when I was playing for the Raiders, obviously I was very active in my faith and going after God and whatnot. And so I would share my faith with whoever wanted to talk to me about Jesus. And so I was in the... uh, in the weight room sharing my faith with one of my teammates and one of my other teammates named James Trapp. James Trapp, he came in and he said, hey, Napoleon, why don't you stop sharing and preaching to everybody around here? Why don't you just leave him alone? And I said to him, I said, well, no, he asked me to share with him. He came to me. He said, why don't you just stop preaching around here? 
So James Trapp became a person on my team that immediately I said, I'm going to connect with that guy. (laughs) So I would would constantly, you know, not constantly, but I would, you know, talk to him a little bit about Jesus. But we always have to remember, the scripture says, he that wins souls is wise. Okay, you can't use the same thing on everybody. So just like I was saying earlier, you got to find out. So I would share my faith with him, share my faith with him here and there, connect with him here and there, let him back off. You know, they ended up cutting James Trapp. He ended up going to the Baltimore Ravens. He gets to the Baltimore Ravens and the chaplain there begins to water the seeds that were planted. James Trapp gives his life to Jesus while he's at Baltimore. I'm still with the Raiders. I get a call from James Trapp. And I'm like, Lord, why is he calling me? I thought we got him out of here. <laughs> so he, he, he calls me. I return his call. He says, man, I just want you to know that I came out to Baltimore. And the seeds that you sowed did not fall on fallow ground. He said, I came out here. God started dealing with me. I gave my life to Jesus, man. And I'm walking with the Lord now. Now, this is so powerful because James Trapp, he gave his life to God, is walking with God. Then he became the chaplain at Clemson, the FCA chaplain of Clemson. So now he's over at Clemson preaching the gospel. Then he became the chaplain of the Atlanta Falcons. Then James Trapp planted his own church in the Atlanta, South Carolina, Atlanta area, right around there in Georgia. I, I forgot what state it is, but he, now he's a pastor of a church and he's just, God is just using him and God is just a wonderful thing. But it goes back to, um, like I said in the very beginning, we have to find out what it is that this person needs and then be willing to back off and let the Holy Spirit do his work after you've just done your small part. I never, I didn't know he was going to turn out to do all these things, but it's amazing to see what happens. You know, there's two components here that I think we really bears to, to underline and bold and highlight and italicize and all of that. And that is to not leave out as much as we've talked about study to show yourself approved, to have the word of God in you, uh, to be an open vessel, to be available, to know when to move forward, when to pull back. But also to keep in mind that this is not something that we're going alone with. We act as if we're a salesperson and we read the sales manual and we go to a couple of motivational seminars and then we go out there and we close the deal. That's good. And we're leaving out of the process two components, two very key critical aspects, that one of which, quite frankly, is absolutely necessary for salvation to take place, and that is the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit. Not, you're not going to be the one to say, hey, I'm, let me point out your sin to you. And they're going to say, oh, but my spiritual eyes have been opened because Craig Roberts showed me my sin. No, it's the Holy Spirit that will reveal and will convict. And so remembering the role that the Holy Spirit plays and the power. And you talked about this, Pastor Gary, about having a praying mother. I, too, had a praying mother. Don't ever leave out the important component of prayer in all of this, Amen. especially for those difficult people that maybe sometimes you think my relationship is such that there's just not a real wide open door here. You know, but the one thing we have at our disposal is the power of prayer. I, I want to say this, too, and, and I hope people understand 
what I mean when I say this. You know, stop giving yourself so much credit. Yeah, that's good. You know, I think I think sometimes, you know, one plants, one waters. God gives the God increase. Gives the increase. You know, right. a person has to be willing to repent. All those things, and you just do your small little part. I think sometimes we think that you know, um, like you said, like we're salesmen, and we got to make that. We got to make the deal. You know, like we're, and it's not. I mean, the Holy Spirit. He is working with us, partnering with us, giving us the wisdom that we need to reach people the way that they need to be reached. And we have to be sensitive to him and his influence in our lives and stop thinking that that it's all about us because it's not. And the last thing I will say uh, about this is, you know, there's a pride that's associated with winning people to Christ that can tear you apart if you're not watchful that's right it's an unholy there's a there's a an unholy aspect to it that would can cause you to get lifted up with pride and then now everything is just about how many people you can how many people got saved how many people can you put on your newsletter how many people can see what i did and look what i did well, so, this is about Jesus Christ and, can and I, what if, the Spirit of God is doing. And let me say this. I, I love what you just said because I think that we want to walk around with a bunch of medals and say, hey, you know, look what God did through me. I want to say there's a lot of people that know me that don't that when they first met me and for a long time, they didn't know I was a pastor. They didn't. The relationship that I developed with them was was they just like being around me. They man, what is it about this guy? He's always laughing. He's always happy. And he 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 deals with stuff in a certain kind of way, conflict in a certain kind of way. And then later when they find out you're a I knew it was something about you. And I think sometimes we lead too much with our titles. We lead too much with the church we go through, go to. We pull out our business cards. Why don't we lead with our lives? Why don't we lead with the love of Christ and what he did in our lives and through our lives? Because that's what will draw people. I want to be magnetic, but I want it to be the Christ in me that's drawing people. And then they wonder what is it about this guy? Why, why do I like being around him? Because Christ in me, the hope of glory, is shining through. Well, you know, and it's interesting because if you look, if you do a study of the book of Acts and, and you, you see the way in which the first century church and the apostles went about sharing their faith and going from town to town, you, you begin to realize that, that the people of the book, that, that, that believers, followers of Christ had that distinction, what was different about them right. that set them apart from everyone else. That's right. That's right. And, and the sad thing is sometimes, you know, as much as we talk about having the wisdom to know what to say, sometimes we know need to have the wisdom to know when to shut up. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> and that if our lives don't lead with something that's attractive, Something that is set apart and is different. You know, again, going back to the book of Acts, and they'll know they are believers by their love. That's right. If people don't see that first and foremost, and it's just talk, 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 uh, believe me, most non-believers know more about how a Christian should act than most Christians know how to act. Come on, that's good, that's good. And so I think there is, at, at times, the necessity to be mindful of the fact that the Holy Spirit is central to all of this. Yeah. That it's not about putting notches on our spiritual gun belt so we can brag to God how many people we've reached or won to the Lord. But it's about being faithful servants 
to be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within, to be available wherever God sets up the opportunity, and to be always mindful of the fact that the most powerful testimony that we have is the one that we live out. Right. And Craig, everybody in this room and everybody on this panel has an addiction. We, we, we may not want to talk about it. You can have an addiction to gum. But what we tend to do is we look down on addictions that we've already deemed are evil. Well, the word evil backwards is live. So therefore, anything that's the opposite of living is evil. So if my addiction is, is, is not this vile thing that I look at you upon, but it's an addiction that's keeping me from really living, then I got to praise God that he's revealing addiction in my life and it'll give me empathy for someone else's addiction because you may have an addiction to alcohol or drugs, but I got one too. I got an addiction to abandonment. And anytime I see something that looks like abandonment, I'm running. And I'm a child of God, but I got some stuff God has to work out in me. But if I don't, if I allow pride to take over my life, then I'll act like I'm perfect and God has already done the work in me. And I'll look down my nose at others who are dealing with stuff that God got to deliver. But Pastor Russell, isn't it so much easier to call out the splinter in somebody else's eye than to deal with the board in your own? We have, I have one. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And we have to realize I, I got that. an addiction. His name is Jesus Christ. <laughs> Come on now. Come on. Come on. But, 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 but on that note, I mean, think about it. Think about it. Some of us, even though we have an addiction, I think all of us can say we have an addiction to Jesus Christ, but whatever addictions do you have? Got another yeah, I, you know, and, and I praise God I mean, that he says that. But, I mean, but, I don't, I don't, I don't. Right, come us before dick. a fall. <laughs> yeah, well, but, but I'm just saying, I, I really don't. I mean, I, I don't, I don't really don't have an addiction to anything yeah. else. But, well, you I, know I mean what? that sincerely too. Yeah, I'm not yeah. trying to be think I'm somebody. I just, I really don't. Yeah, well, you know what? And I think okay, maybe the word is a word that Napoleon doesn't like. But I think the Bible said it. If we all, if we say we have no sin, we are. Well, a liar. that's different. I mean, yeah. I mean, I have things that you know. Obviously, you, everybody has a sin nature, right? And, so and the goal of every human and being it's addictive, is, isn't it? Well, it could be pride. It could be. It could be anything. It could be where you are like, you know what? I don't associate myself with other pastors. What is it about us that God is still working in and through us? And well, what is that thing? And that's what I'm talking about. Not yeah. so much an addiction where it's tearing you down, but what is it in us that isolates us from people? Because there's some people that don't want to be around us and it ain't their fault. It's something in us that needs to be worked out. So with that, getting back to the balance here, in as much as we need to wait for the right opportune time and lead people to Christ, Jesus did say this, the harvest is ripe. Amen. Open your eyes, look around you. There are people everywhere you go. Every circle of influence you have, the harvest is ripe. And God wants to save them. Second Peter 3 um, verse 9 says, God is not willing that anyone should perish. And so we all have issues. We all have issues. We're going to go to a confessional later. Let's do that, all right, and deal with our issues. But the harvest is ripe, and there are people dying every day, and so it, we should all be about our Father's business, trying to lead people to Jesus. That's right. Well, and the irony, of course, is you look at so much we talked earlier in the program tonight about much of what's going on and the turmoil in our society today. Every one of these issues is indicative of people that are trying to find some substitute 
fulfilling, and you spoke to this earlier, Pastor Crosby, that God-shaped vacuum. Mm -hmm. It may be alcohol, it may be drugs, it may be going to work and putting in 80 hours a week, it may be, you know, the bigger house, the bigger car, whatever. But most people are trying in a, a, a vain effort to try and find some sense of satisfaction and purpose and fulfillment in life, thinking that it's in position and power and places and people and money, not yet recognizing their eyes being blinded, not yet recognizing that the thing that they're really seeking out is the thing that the Creator wants with us, and that is fellowship. That's right. That we're really looking for a relationship with the very creator of the universe. That's the only thing will give that sense of meaning and purpose and satisfaction. And so to recognize that as we see this turmoil around us, that it's really the heart's cry for God. They just don't know how to express it. And, you know, leading to your point, Pastor Gary, the fields are ripe unto harvest, but watch this. The laborers are few. And that really then becomes incumbent upon us as the church to realize, hey, it's one thing to say we're going to share our faith and not be intrusive and we want to be loving and compassionate and tender and all of that. But they're also at the same token, and here's that delicate balance. There is a sense of urgency because people are perishing every day. That's right. And we end up doing their funerals. Let's get to some of our questions from the audience. Why don't you step forward, if you would, please give us your first name, what city are you from, and your question for our panel. My name is Carlene, and I'm from Pleasanton. And my question is, as we all know, our nation is pretty divided right now. But the division, the political division, is also in the body of Christ. And Jesus has called us to be salt of the earth. It means we have a responsibility as preservers of society. What is the role of the church in this hour? Wow, there's a heavy question. Who wants to go first? Pastor Kaufman? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's one of the members of my church. She's a minister in our church. You know, I think that I think it's important. And, and our church, I mean, obviously, they hear this from me all the time. You know, I, I am, uh, I, I don't. I'm very much against politics seeping into this congregation. Uh, and I'm very aggressive in making sure that that spirit of division um, understands that, that I see it, that I'm going to confront it from the pulpit, and that I will not um, tolerate it in the church. We, uh, I think that it's important that we understand that Jesus Christ is... He's coming back for his bride, right. not your your political party. Yeah, that's good. And that's I think good. that one of the things that I see that happens is that people make an idol out of their political party. Amen. And it's a form of idolatry. And and then what happens is it begins to uh, it begins to sleep, uh, seep into the church, and then it c- creates a subtle division. Now. It's hard to completely stamp it out because people are going to be listening to their news stations and going to their political rally, whatever. But I try to make this a no-fly zone for that. Uh, I can't control what everybody does, but at the same time, um, our job, and I preach this in our church and most of our members know here, our job is to be the referee. The referee. And not 
the person that jumps on another team and just starts fighting against each other. Our job is to be the referee. And I think that um, uh, the only thing that you can do is continue to teach people about kingdom culture, um, falling in love with Jesus Christ, getting his perspective on things, uh, understanding that um, idolatry is serious when it comes around this particular subject. And our, and our loyalty and our allegiance is to Jesus Christ and to his word. Amen. Uh, and if any political party is, uh, you know, trying to get us to do something that's against Jesus Christ and his word, then we always have to stand with Jesus Christ regardless of our personal preferences and whatnot. And sometimes we have to give up those things that are that are just, you know, ingrained in us sometimes from youth, you know. Some my my mom told me when I was young, you're a Republican, you're a you're a Democrat. That's what we do. And I said, so when I came of age, I said, no, I'm an independent. That's who I am. I, I don't care whoever's telling the truth and God leads me outside with that, I'm not just gonna jump on a political party based on, you know, what culturally was you know, acceptable during that type, Democrat or Republic and I, Republican. So I just think that you have to be aggressive with it. You have to confront it. And as a, as a leader, I can just speak for my church that we don't tolerate the stuff when we see it. And it's very clear that um, our allegiance is going to be to Jesus Christ and we will have no idols. You know, at the end of the day, we're, we're citizens of two worlds. We have a responsibility, I believe, as that, that government of, by, and for the people is, as, uh, who said that? Lincoln said that in the Gettysburg Address. So we need to be engaged in the process of self-governance, but we also need to strike that delicate balance in realizing that this particular kingdom, small k, is temporary and is going to pass away. Amen. And the citizenship that really counts, that really matters for eternity, is our citizenship in eternity. And as we said before, if they know that you're a Republican or a Democrat and have no clue that you're a Christian, uh, not only do I recommend that you check your politics, but I also recommend that you check your relationship with the Lord. Well, and I want to say this, too. I just think it's important that I don't mind people engaging politics. But if it starts to get to a point where you come to church and you're looking at somebody funny because they voted differently than you then something's wrong with your heart. Well, and you know what? It's the oldest trick in the book, too. What does the devil do? He questions God, hath God said, and he divides so that he can conquer. And there's nothing more than Satan wants. A house divided against itself shall fall. If, if he can use politics as a wedge to divide the body of Christ and make us all look like fools then he has accomplished his goal in bringing shame to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah, I think her question was that, so what is the church's role or what is our responsibility? And I think Solomon said it best, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, then God said he would hear from heaven. So if we could, as leaders, get our people to pray, not over politics, but over America's leadership, and we began to just pray that way. Um, and then our job, of course, is to preach the gospel and to try to get people to live holy in an ungodly world. Uh, I think that's our role. And there are some political things that we do need to stand up for. I think AB 2943, we needed to get a voice for that. Uh, they were going to try to stop 
pastors from giving any counsel or requesting any books for an individual. So we fought that, and so far we've won. I mean, there are certain issues that are just diametrically opposed. I think we fell asleep at the wheel when we allowed... gender neutral people to go into bathrooms like one guy said this guy followed his daughter into the bathroom he said well i feel feminine today and the dad knocked his teeth out he said i feel like a dentist today (laughs) oh my god (laughs) amen we're gonna we're gonna that's a yeah i just think but you know the thing about it is the thing about it is you know the problem that i have is that when you bring it into the church and then you turn around and start looking at somebody in the congregation funny because they didn't vote the way you voted, and then start bashing on your Facebook and bashing on Come your Twitter. On. Yeah, and that Facebook, on. yeah, that bashing, bashing, right. bashing, bashing. Right. and it's just it's just filth. It's filth. And then you have to make sure that you you don't tolerate that in the church, and then communicate clearly so that people understand. Hey, if that's the way you vote, that's fine, but don't hate somebody else because they voted differently. Maybe a good tr- trick, though, would be to find the person that's most against, um, you know, causing division or, but, you know, in politics and have them lead the prayer for the nation. Right? That, Sir, hey. would you come up here and pray for this nation this morning? It might yeah, stop. Yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> he said it might stop it. <laughs> We're going to pause real quick. We're going to get a brief final timeout here, get you updated on some traffic. We'll take a three minute timeout and back with some final closing comments as our Lifeline Pastors panel continues. Right now, though, a quick look at traffic. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to the program. We're live on location here at the Well Christian Community Church in Livermore. We're going to get one or two of your calls in. Let's go first to Oakland. Vic, come on in with your comment or question for our Lifeline Pastors panel. Hi, I guess my comment is um, when we allow the Holy Spirit to begin to grow us in His grace daily in the love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The people that are coming in to church, they have fears. It's not always pride. They may have a fear of not measuring up to the expectations of um, Christians, and they really need to see a gentle love as we accept them as they are, but yet they really got to see it between us in the stability that the light of Christ does shine in us, and we're able to, shall we say, reach our hand out to them. And it might just be a hug, but you're you're helping the Lord in, in a manner as a vessel for God to help bind up the deep hidden wounds inside that are unspoken because you don't know if you may be the last one to see them again in which the Lord had let me know, and I'm praying for them I might be the, it might be the last time I ever see them, so you're going into the intercessory to save the soul, but to help bind up the deep wounds with love and tenderness. To your, to your point, I think sometimes we all need to be mindful that when we share our faith, and sometimes we were talking off the air here with Pastor Mortera about how sometimes things can get so contentious as there's strong feelings and opinions politically or on a, some hotbed issue, and we fail to recognize the fact that sometimes that last impression may be the last impression, and you never know where a person is in their walk with the Lord or if you say something that could end up doing damage to the cause of Christ. 
And so, you know, if you, if you treat every encounter as the last encounter, and how many of us have heard stories about, oh, if I had only told my father that I loved him that last time we had the big fight, and now he's passed away, and I'll never get a chance to do that again this time of heaven. Uh, how, how the trail of life can be filled with regrets, because instead of, you know, engaging in the nasty word, we, we or in the soft word, we engage in a nasty word. And so I think that's also an important thing to remind all of us that as we endeavor in sharing our faith, that you never know how and where and when God is going to use you. One thing that one thing that I I do want to just put out there, and I'm sure everyone understands this, you know, the gospel within itself can be offensive. And and I, I want to say that because when you're telling somebody, because repentance means to change your mind and to go in a different direction. That's right. And there are a lot of times when Jesus spoke things and Jesus offended their mind to get to their heart. That's good. And sometimes you're going to you're going to you're going to say something to someone as you're presenting the gospel. And it doesn't matter what your tone is. It's just the message. Repentance is a strong message. And the gospel is an offense to the perishing. That's what the Bible says. And so there's an offense aspect to what we do as we're presenting the gospel that is built into the message that we all have to embrace. We can't we can't take that out. What's happened is the church has taken the word repentance out of the gospel uh, presentation. And so oftentimes we're not getting conversions. We're getting people to come to church. But we're not getting conversion. Conversion happens when a person is confronted with the reality of who they are. And all of us were born into sin and shaped in iniquity. We need to repent and we need to give our life to God. And so that aspect of the gospel presentation, you can't remove it. It has to be there. And then a person has to make a decision. Do I want to change my mind and go in a different direction and truly experience conversion? And, and, and experience the blessing of now this newness of life. Now, if we're coming off, you know, mad and angry and, you know, we see guys on the street corner. I mean, that's not wisdom. But in the sincerity of your heart, you're presenting a message we all have to understand that has, it has a, um, there's going to be offense. Well, and again, the, 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 the power of the grace of God is meaningless without the judgment of God. Pretty serious. But he had to do that because of our condition. Amen. Which is not good. And we have to be, sometimes all of us, we have to be faced with the reality of, you know what? I need, something's wrong with me. I need to change. Jesus died to not only forgive me of my sins, but give me the opportunity to change and to become more like him. So for the audience, for clarity, when you share the gospel, people may and most likely will get offended. Yes. But Peter said to always give an answer to everyone that asks you for the reason of the hope that lies within you. But do this with gentleness 
and respect. So we Amen. have the how and the what. The what is what is going to be offensive, but you don't have to be offensive That's right. and argumentative. That's right. Amen. We have a question here from the audience. Please come on in. Your first name and the city you're uh, from. Greetings. My name is Michelle. I'm from Brentwood, California. Um, I really appreciate the statement that Pastor Gary, Gary. Um, has stated about um, family and growing up a pastor's child, um, it was my family's choice to come to Christ. And then later in life, way later in life for me, I did. Um, Things that I do appreciate is transparency. Um, I tried to do that as well. Uh, As you guys were discussing, my question came about of how do you, when you had made the statement about addiction or you know whatever it is that the lord works still works on you about where is the wisdom that is drawn of where you share that because i know sometimes that can be used as a weapon as well so where is that line that is a healthy uh transparency uh versus because if we all just go yeah yeah you know i'm dealing with this i'm dealing with that not saying don't be honest you may have your band of you know few that that's close to you that you share that and they pray and do those things but where is that line of healthiness of where it is okay for that transparency say like for someone who was like me who um knew about the lord and wanted to come back in church, but I felt like, see, I don't want to come to church because of that right there. Versus, and you have someone on the other hand who will come back in church going, damn, my pastor is going through that. Oh, okay, that's cool. But it also could be used as an excuse for them to do what they're doing. So where is that line? So how, how, do you, how do you share sometimes from your own struggle without becoming a stumbling block? And, and you know, and when, when I talk about this, I talk about really the testimony of Christ in my life. Um, when I got saved, and a lot of people need to understand this, that when we get saved, we know him as Savior. And the process is, is surrendering him to be Lord. Amen. All right. I mean, there's a lot of people that know Jesus as Savior, but they don't know him as Lord. So the message that I'm talking about that we preach is that process where Christ became Lord over my life, where he directed my every step. That was a process. I came to Christ. I surrendered my heart to Christ, but I didn't know how to serve him. And then as I grew in Christ and he elevated me to different roles, I needed to learn how to surrender even more in certain areas. So when I talk about sharing things. I had to share that I was stubborn in the gospel. I had to share that I, I had pride. So when, when you share those kind of things to the body of Christ and to those listening, they realize there's hope for themselves because he's up there or she's up there keeping it real that that they had to think God had to work through them. And so that's what I was really talking about is not us standing up here acting like we were the ones that got on the cross. We were the ones saved because of the cross. And uh, Pastor Crosby, as we're winding up our program, there's also this important point that I think dovetails on that. And that is the notion to be mindful that even Paul himself, major contributor to the New Come Testament. I mean, Come this on. guy, Come on. leader Come on. of the first century church. And yet he talked about the necessity to die to self daily. daily. Yeah. And, you know, I'm reminded and there's the old feel felt found. You know, I used to feel the same way. In fact, I felt the same way because I had the same struggle. You don't want the struggle to take center stage in the gospel presentation. But what I did is I found Christ and he's given me the ability 
to overcome this as I cling to him. So it, it's not like you're a loser, I'm a loser, let's all lose together. It's I wrestled with this, I still wrestle with this, but in Christ I have the hope and the power by the Holy Spirit to be an overcomer. So judiciously, Pastor Gary. Yeah. Uh, So to answer your question, um, you know, how much do you share? What do you share? I think wisdom is the key, right? Wisdom in every context. And and some people you could be a little more open with in a private setting because that will get them to open up. But our job is to preach the gospel, share it. And oftentimes I use Paul's very statement to Timothy when he said, I was the worst of sinners. He said, I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, a violent man, but God used me as an example, as the worst of a sinner. And so we will tell people that if God could save a Paul who was killing Christians, a David who committed murder and adultery, if a Moses who was committing murder, he came to save sinners. And so if I would have ever gotten in a conversation with you, I would have said, God's not done with you. God loves you. You may have made mistakes. We all have. But God loves you, and are you ready for the next step? Are you ready for the next level? And so it's all about where are we going from here. What I tell our people is everything that's happened in your life up to right now is now behind you. There's nothing you can do about it. All we can do is go forward. And uh, most of the time people are encouraged by that. So let wisdom dictate what you share and how much. And Pastor Kaufman, um, let me have you have the last word here tonight. On On what? Put a nice big bowl around it for us, would you? You know, I, I want to say this. This is my last word. Craig, KFAX, we just really appreciate y'all. Yeah, amen. You all have been such a blessing uh, in the Bay Area for years. Uh, myself, Pastor Gary, Tim, and, Tim and, and everyone, you know, we get an opportunity to hear the gospel on a day-to-day basis because of you guys' uh, hard work, dedication to the Lord. Um, I know what you guys do is not without struggle. It's not without the devil trying to block you guys and stop what you're doing. But yet you all have just continued to persevere over the years and been a blessing to people all over the Bay Area, and not only just the Bay Area, but all over the world. And I know that you guys' ministry has provided such a great platform for us as a church to get the gospel to people that we normally would not be able to reach. And so I just want to say thank you all, KFAX, for being such a blessing. And uh, you that are listening, make sure you all give to the ministry and continue to get the, the cause of Christ in the forefront out there in the airwaves. And so thank you all for your, your commitment. Well, thank Amen. You. Amen. And I'd just like to say on behalf of all of us at KFAX, what a privilege it is that we have in God allowing us and honoring us to be able to provide this platform so that the teaching and pulpit ministries of each of you and so many others, I like to think that we have some of the most phenomenal Bible teachers and expositors anywhere alive today, and even a few that aren't alive anymore, that yet proclaim boldly the truth of the gospel, the life-changing power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so with that, would you, in a, in a God-honoring fashion, join me in a nice round of applause for all of our panelists tonight.
Again, I want to thank Pastor Keith Crosby, teaching pastor at Hillside Church in San Jose, Pastor Gary Mortera from Faith Fellowship Foursquare in San Leandro, Pastor Timothy Russell from New Hope Christian Fellowship in Hayward, and of course our host pastor. Thanks again for the, the gracious welcome and opening your, your home for us this evening. Our thanks to Pastor Napoleon Kaufman here at the Well Christian Community Church in Livermore. Seven o'clock exactly. We'd like to thank all of you for tuning in and join us tomorrow night at 5 p.m. for more of Lifeline. Till then, for our producer, Wanda Sanchez, my engineer, Mr. Jarrell Martin, and all of the cast of thousands that make this possible, we remind you, as we do every afternoon at this time, don't just keep the faith. Get on out there and share it. Till next time, so long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.